Hello and welcome to the Highview Podcast, a gospel-centered conversation exploring theology, culture, and life in a local church. I'm your host, Tyler Sweat, the pastor of Connection and Community at Highview Church, and today I am joined by the one, the only, the greatly appreciated <laughs> Pastor Chad Williams. What's up, everybody? Hey, Pastor Chad. How's ha- going, Tyler? Happy... Pastor Appreciation Week. Happy Pastor Appreciation Week to you, buddy. Witness month. 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 You just get a week. <laughs> you're, 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 you're okay. <laughs> I mean, oh, man. I'll, I'll take a day. Yeah, that's true. Most I think most That'd pastors would, would enjoy appreciation yeah. of any kind. Sure. Absolutely. So, no, yeah. Absolutely. No, we've had uh, had some members shout us out in our, our service uh, yeah. this last week, so we're... We're appreciative to be appreciated, no and, doubt. And I'm sure every pastor out there would like to hear you are you are appreciated, you are loved. Yeah, I, I like to think about Pastor Appreciation Month as uh, from the perspective of a of a member. Yeah, like so, I have a group of pastors who pastor me and my family, right? And I'm, and I'm appreciative of them. Yeah, that's good. And so it's uh, it's a, the advantage of uh, being in a church with uh, a plurality of elders and. That means a plurality of pastors. Right. So it's a blessing. There's a lot of appreciation going wow, around. Oh, just a whole lot. It's a mutual appreciation. At Highview Church. <laughs> so yeah, we're uh we are so thankful for all the guys, all the men that God has raised up and placed in our church. So thank you guys. Yeah. So Amen. but yeah, we are here today on the podcast continuing our series talking about uh, the topic of apologetics, yeah. um, and we've kind of hit some different topics. We talked about apologetics apologetics itself, as well as some just tough questions in general that we get as pastors, so go check those episodes out if you have not listened to those the last couple of weeks. Today, we are going to jump into probably one of the most foundational elements of apologetics, uh, and by apologetics, again, we mean defending the faith. Right. Uh, not apologizing, not saying no. we're sorry for what we believe, but defending what it is we believe about God and what we believe about the Christian faith. So today, we're jumping into a pretty big question. We're jumping in the deep end. Just right into, just right into it. We're, we're getting on the high dive today, and we're going to be talking about the question, does God exist? Yeah. Arguments for God's existence. Uh, so before we get into the four primary arguments for God's existence. Uh, let's talk a little bit first about what kind of arguments we're, we're talking about. Now, um, we're going to be primarily talking about logical arguments. Pastor Chad, give us a, a d- brief definition. Uh, what is a logical argument in the context of apologetics? Yeah, a logical argument is <clears throat> using reason specifically Yeah, uh, as opposed to, um, for example, uh, the Bible says there's a God, so there is a God. Right. So um, now while the, the the basis of what we're going to be talking about can certainly be, I think, supported by Scripture, if not yeah. explicitly, then implicitly, right. um, that we're not making a case from Genesis 1, for example, yeah. that there is a God. Uh, we are... Um, through um, discussion and through study, we are approaching it from a different perspective that a an unbeliever mm-hmm. who would say, in theory, deny the existence of God, 
would ultimately we would be able to engage with them. Someone who doesn't believe there's yeah. a God is clearly not going to believe there's an authoritative scripture that he right. as his word. So yeah. uh, this is us approaching defending the existence of God uh, towards an unbeliever using reason and logic. Yeah. I think it's also worth mentioning, like these are not going to be uh, scientific explanations. We're not yeah, necessarily right. looking at, you know, physical evidence to defend God's existence, although we believe there is physical, right. you know, physical uh, evidence for that in the universe. Um, I mean, the, the Bible itself tells us that, that, you know, we can look at the things that have been made and see God's attributes. Um, but what a logical argument is, is exactly what you said. It, it provides through the use of reason and logical um, argumentation, <laughs> we want to defend some sort of conclusion. So the arguments that we're going to look at today follow this a similar type of pattern in that they consist of one or more premises or uh, maybe an easier definition of that is just a true statement, a right. statement of fact uh, that's followed by a conclusion based on that statement of fact. So we uh, maybe a basic type of argument in this pattern would be to say, um, I don't know, all trucks are metal therefore Tyler's truck's metal my truck is metal yeah that's a yeah okay uh, my brain turned now, off now we're getting into the first right of our uh, particular arguments for we, the existence of God that's actually. right that's right so uh, that's that's basically how a logical argument is framed there are one or more premises or statements followed by a conclusion based on those statements so now let's get into our the first of our four primary arguments arguments for God's existence, and it is called the ontological argument. Uh, it's also sometimes referred to as uh, the argument based on God being the greatest conceivable being. So, Chad, tell us a little bit about the ontological argument. Well, the ontological argument, um, just to, to unpack ontological, uh, that comes from uh, the Greek word ontos, uh, which uh, means existence. So it is. It is a fundamentally an argument for the existence of God, uh, and so when you when you hear ontological argument, uh, you are saying that, or you are hearing that there is an argument going to be made for the existence of God. Uh, so, uh, with that said, uh, it's based on the claim that God's existence can be deduced by defining who He is. Yeah. So, or from defining who he is. So, for example, God is omnipresent, omnipotent. Yeah. So he's everywhere and he's all powerful, right? Yeah. There is no higher being you can conceive of in your mind. Right. Therefore, God exists. Boom. All right. I mean, that's in a nutshell. Yeah. Let's get into uh, a more kind of formal um, explanation of this argument. This primarily comes from a guy named Anselm. Um, was the first kind of person to, I think, largely put this argument out there. Uh, but his argument goes a little something like this. God is, by definition, the greatest conceivable being. This is obvious because if one can conceive of a being greater than God, then that being would be God. If God exists only in the mind, something greater than God can be conceived, a God who exists in the actual world. But... God is the greatest conceivable being, so definitionally, we cannot conceive of anything greater than God. 
God must then be a being that exists not only in the mind, but also in reality. Therefore, conclusion, God exists. So that's a lot of information in yeah. in those premises. But essentially, he's arguing, saying that, as we said, whatever we define as God has to be a being that nothing else is greater than. Uh, yeah. If you think of something greater than God. Yeah, he's the ultimate. Yeah, yeah. If you if you can think of something greater than God, then that thing becomes right. God. That's what I say when, when, when I say like, this is when someone says this is the ultimate. No one ever says this is the ultimate dir. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> like that. That's it. Yeah, that's the terminal point of greatness, right? So right. if something is ultimate, that means that you cannot surpass it, right? Um, and so the the very uh, just logically, you can then take that. Okay, this being must exist if there is nothing greater that could possibly exist, right? than him. Yeah. So that that's the that's the essential core of the argument. Right. And I know it feels like too when we're talking about this like like we're jumping off the high dive. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. and we are in a way. Right. Like like honestly, mm-hmm. from an apologetic standpoint, the what is God that's question a, yeah. is the is the high dive. But just like the high dive, if you can swim, right. It's not scary. It's not that scary. It's, it's, it doesn't yeah. have to be that scary. Yeah. And so that's a good point. it it is a uh it is a a jump off the high dive into the deep end, but um, again, it's, there's nothing to fear here. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're talking about, uh, the ontological argument for the existence of God, we're talking about, it's very simple. If, uh, you can imagine something greater than God, that thing is yeah. God. Right. That's the idea. And then from, from the standpoint of, of trying to be an argument for God's existence, what this argument is saying is you can conceive of a being that is greater than all other beings. Mm-hmm. So therefore that being exists. He, he is conceivable. <laughs> you can think of, of God. And so God therefore right. is legitimate as an existable right. being. And, and, and why this is significant from a, from an apologetic standpoint uh, among many, there's many reasons, but, but practically speaking, let's say that uh, I'm talking to Tyler and Tyler doesn't believe in God. Yep. He's, he's, he's not there. Don't, don't believe. Nope. Nope. You're, you're not, you're not, you're not hearing it. All right. Um, what's, what's stunning about even the statement I just made is Tyler knew instinctively what I was talking about when I said God. Mm. Yep. And so the fact that he can even understand enough about God to deny his existence mm. tells me there is a God. Yeah. That That's the great kind <laughs> of like, so, yeah. so the fact that we can, or even, uh, or someone can be to to quote C.S. Lewis, um, who who says of himself, he says, "I was very angry at God for not existing." Yeah. <laughs> prior yeah. to his conversion, right, right, right. Prior to his conversion, he's very angry at this being he could conceive of, right, but yet doesn't exist. Um, and so, so when you're having that conversation, the 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 ontological argument can be a helpful tool in your apologetic toolbox because. It it basically, if you're having the interaction with an unbeliever about the existence of God, if they can comprehend what you're talking about, yeah, they're actually making the ontological argument, whether they know it or not. Right. There, there's already a category in the conversation of Correct. the being of God. So, yeah, let's talk a bit before we move to our second argument. What are some weaknesses of the ontological argument? Um, you know, and I think right off the bat, uh, we already talked about it's kind of a 
it's kind of a, a confusing bit of, uh, you know, the, the premises there, like you have to really follow along. So it is kind of a, um, a high dive, as we said. Um, but another, another kind of weakness, uh, just from the point of this one argument alone, it kind of seems a bit like circular reasoning. And now I don't think we would necessarily say circular reasoning is, um, totally destroys the argument because I mean, we, we are people who would say we believe in God because the Bible says so, right? Like that in itself is kind of a like, well, yeah, we, we would believe it because we believe it. What it says is true. Um, so what are, what are some other weaknesses to the ontological argument as it stands kind of alone? Well, I think the most frequent, uh, challenge to the ontological argument actually comes from just a misunderstanding about what it is. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'll give you an example. Um, what we're not saying is anything you can imagine exists. Mm. For example, my three-year-old daughter thinks unicorns exist, yeah. but that doesn't mean they do exist. Mm. Just because she can, in her mind, imagine a unicorn doesn't mean that there are unicorns. But that's not actually what the, ontolo- the ontological argument is not saying. You can imagine a god, therefore that's who he is, and right. he exists, and boom. Right. Boom, roasted. Boom, yeah. <laughs> um, that's not the. That's not what it's saying. Yeah. What it's saying is it that the concept of God being this transcendent, ultimate being that that aspect affirms his existence. That there is a being who is who is that. So it's yeah. more referring yeah. to God um, as he exists as supreme being, yeah. not a figment of your imagination. Yeah, this is kind of the starting place. It doesn't answer for you what that God is. Um, that, that would kind of right. call some further conversation. Um, so this doesn't necessarily even defend perfectly the Christian God. It gets you started on the conversation, first of all, that God does exist. Then we need to ask the question, who is that God? And there's there's other other helps for that as we defend uh, the Christian faith specifically. Um, but that's the ontological argument, the argument primarily from the fact that God is the greatest conceivable being. Let's move on to argument number two, the cosmological argument, another big word, uh, but primarily arguing from the fact of the uncaused cause. Uh, so saying that the world exists and the world to exist has to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So for the for the world to exist, there must have been some kind of cause for the world. Um, I, I love the the first premise of this argument. Let me go ahead and just read through the cosmological argument. The first premise, so the first kind of statement of fact is just this. Things exist. <laughs> I think we can all get on board with the first. So far, I'm with you. So far, everyone's with us. Yeah, I'm with you now. Things, although some people might be in like, no, we're in a simulation. Okay, well, we're not going there. <laughs> Things exist. This is the Matrix. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you? yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, some days it feels like that. All right. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> things exist. It is possible for those things to not exist. Whatever has the possibility of non-existence yet exists has been caused to exist. Something cannot bring itself into existence since it must exist to bring itself into existence, which is illogical. There'll be a quiz (laughs) 
after this is over. <laughs> Make sure you're taking notes, people. All right. So, so far, we've acknowledged things exist in the world. And by just logical deduction, the things that exist can't bring themselves out of non-existence into existence because they would have had to exist right. to bring themselves. Yeah. So if yeah. they didn't exist. When you see a child, you see you you see two parent two parents or or yeah. two people yeah who led to the procreation of that that child right no, no no one like just shows up right that's the great great example so then there cannot be an infinite number of causes to bring something into existence kind of a weird statement there but let's break it down so um the the term uh, kind of infinite causes um also leans into this idea of an infinite regression of causes, meaning meaning you go as far back as you can infinitely in time. There, There's not this infinity of causes because at some point that chain has to stop. You have to stop at a particular cause that started all the other causes. Um, so there is no, let's say, infinite regression of causes ultimately has no initial cause, which means there is no cause of existence. Since the universe exists it must have a cause. So you're not just going to travel an infinite amount of time in the past. And there's just still things existing. Uh, so you go back, back beyond that yeah. and still things like you have to f- eventually stop at a point where things did not exist because they now do exist. They mm-hmm. had to have a cause. Yeah. So here, here's the, here's the, the <laughs> la- yeah, yeah. mind blown. <laughs> here's the, here's the lay version of that, which is, is really, really, really simple. Um, you exist, therefore something at some point created you. Yep. Things move. Humanity's in motion. Yeah. Something started that motion. Yep. yep. The cosmological argument is God caused everything to exist and move. Yep. And so the 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 apologetic element to this and the apologetic aim of this is then and how we use this again because i my goal would be that our listeners not just hear kind of an argument but be able to actually deploy it in their own scenario you know when they're engaging someone or defending the faith right so so how that how this tool in the toolbox gets deployed in in a conversation about the existence of god when you're defending the existence of god Mm -hmm. is is pretty straightforward if um, something exists and moves, something set it into motion and cause it to exist. Yeah. So since we're both in motion and we both exist, I'm saying in eternity past that started with God. In some way, shape, or form, God is the, the source of that. Yeah, He's the one that set it into motion. The, the one who denies the existence of God has to tell me how things yeah. start moving with no one or no force acting on them. Right. Rocks just roll downhill without gravity pulling them downhill in that world. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like they have to, you know, people just show up, appear. Right. And so um, it it really puts the impetus back on the person denying this of God to say, well, you mm. know this is how the world works. Yeah. Like you know that things in motion get into motion or go into motion and move because someone else made them do that. Yeah. I, th- I think about, uh, have you ever seen those videos of like the long trains of dominoes that, you know, all fall down. People have been setting them up and then they 
knock one over and those it causes cool. this huge chain yeah. reaction. I, I love seeing those because like they come up with some really cool designs. But it would almost be like saying we're we're watching this trail of dominoes fall over, but we're saying nobody ever pushed it in the first place. Right. Like you just follow an infinite number of dominoes, and this one fell on that one, and this one fell on that one. But at some point, there had to be a person that caused the first right. domino to fall. Yep. Um, and that, what we would say is God. Although, Jad, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I do believe in the Big Bang Theory. Oh. I do. Okay. I do. God said it, and bang, it happened. Hey! That's, that's fantastic. Oh. <laughs> oh, I did the wrong. There it is. <laughs> I no, no, you did the right one. There it is. Press the wrong button. The first one was right. <laughs> yep, that's crickets to my joke. Um, yeah, so cosmological argument, the uncaused cause, and ultimately the yeah the conclusion of this argument is therefore uh, there must be an uncaused cause of all things, and the uncaused cause must be God. And essentially that phrase, uncaused cause, means that there was nothing preceding God. Correct. There has yep. to be so the the one who does push the first domino can't have something beyond him that caused him to move because then that would be the the uncaused cause. Correct. That that's the the thought of like there can't be this infinite regression because the the buck has to stop somewhere, and we say that stops with God, the Amen. one who starts it all. Yep. All right. Argument number three: uh, the teleological argument teleological argument and that's another big word that ultimately tells us that this is an argument from design uh, an argument from design so tell us a little bit about the teleological argument uh the teleological argument is uh an argument that says there is an intelligent being who created everything yep um so through that knowledge, there came into be everything that does exist. Boom. Yeah. So the idea from uh, this argument being from design, um, we've probably heard the illustration of like a watch. A watch is a pretty uh, intensely complex uh, unit that somebody along the line of that watch, like it didn't just pop out of nowhere and start ticking. Right. Somebody had to design that mechanism to work, to function, and start it in motion. Don't you know my only problem with that that analogy? I mean, I've heard that used a bunch, and it's fine. Yeah, but but it kind of, in, in my opinion, it, it actually like watches are by and large simple machines in a sense, like how they operate. Like they really, I mean, you know, especially like a eh, no, no, yeah, I don't know. Have you? I don't know if you've seen some. There's some well, pretty. You, you, I don't. I've never been around a nice watch. Yeah, but it, it, so Chad, Chad's like Casio. Listen, is pretty. All right, so so but, we're not talking about an analog watch here. <laughs> but it's the, so anyway. But the concept yeah. of this, this yeah. is this is what I use because I feel like this is a a, a a really good way to kind of to to show the the the, the amount of design and yeah. intelligence that goes into yeah. one human being, right? So if if you came home uh, from from work today and there is a seven forty seven airliner mm-hmm. sitting in your backyard, yep, you, you're not going to assume that that airliner assembled itself, designed itself, and placed itself 
in the middle of your yard. It's a complex machine designed mm-hmm. by engineers over long periods of time yeah. with literally hundreds of thousands of parts and, and yeah. all these parts working, you know, in sync. Mm-hmm. It would never occur to you that appeared out of thin air. Yeah. Well, obviously, just within just the human body itself, I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about this meticulously engineered machine. Yeah. We're, we're talking about nature itself. And, and most tele, the, the tele, teleological argument is hinged on nature being this display of engineering genius that's right. unrivaled. And with the teleological argument, again, using it you know, as a tool in your toolbox – it allows you to look around, yeah. To look at 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 beauty, to look at yeah the genius of God in creation, and go clearly someone designed this right. Clearly, and yeah. if you, and, and and we're simply asking the person who's denying the existence of God, we're simply asking them to apply the same level of logic they do to everything else. They would never assume that seven forty seven assembled itself. No, right. no logical human would do that. Right. But they assume that things far more complex, infinitely more complex, like nature itself designed itself. And that's ridiculous. And so it's simply pointing out where all this came from. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think to another illustration um, that, cause we could say uh, someone could look at nature and see natural processes, right. And say, well, all these things are kind of running on their own because they, they operate based on, um, you know, they, they've been running for, for years and we, we haven't seen God pop down and plant a tree, right? Like it, right. it just kind of naturally works. And, and the way I like to think about it, almost compared, comparing it to, um, to music, where music does have its own form and function that kind of exists on its own. But when you look at a piece of music, like if you see one of, Beethoven's symphonies like you don't just say oh that piece of music came together like all those notes have a function all those notes like they they just work together and and they exist in themselves no we look at that and say who wrote this who composed this who organized this it has a a mind and an intelligence behind it that makes it beautiful Uh, it doesn't just make itself beautiful because it all those notes work together Somebody had to design those things, bring them into that order, that timing, that rhythm. And so when we look at the world, yeah, things tend to have their own form and function, but that's because there's a God that's designed it that way, that's composed it this way. That's what makes it beautiful. Amen. All right, so the last argument that we're going to look at today is a little different. We've kind of looked at things from big picture. Um, kind of, you know, Our first one was the ontological argument conceiving God as the greatest conceivable being, the cosmological argument looking at God as the first uncaused caused or the unmoved mover, and then the teleological argument, the argument from design. This last argument takes a little bit of a different approach. And the fourth argument we're going to look at is the moral argument. Uh, Chad, why don't you tell us a little bit about the argument from morality? Yeah, um, the moral argument for the existence of God essentially says because there is morality and a concept of morality and a widely agreed upon um, basis for morality in the world, yeah, that morality is good. Basically, all governments are formed off the basis of, of human-to-human yeah. moral action yeah. uh, around the world. 
that therefore someone wrote that code yeah. into us. I mean, I'm right. giving the lay the lay right. version here. Yeah. But there is a moral code that has been written on the hearts of men. Now, it is interesting enough, I mean, we could have quoted Romans 1 as far as a teleological argument um, where Paul basically says, hey, listen, anyone can with eyes can look around and see, hey, things exist, therefore they know God exists yeah, kind of thing. Right. Romans 2, 14 and 15 says, look, basically humans without special revelation, without ever reading their Bibles, mm-hmm. know God's moral code yeah. and do not adhere to it. Right. So I mean, there's a biblical, certainly a biblical concept too that kind of goes hand in hand. But the idea is there is a, there is a right and wrong, yeah. a truly objective right and wrong and human beings know it. Yeah, that's that's a really good a really good point. It, and it's, it makes it more of an interesting argument to think about in our day because everyone would agree that there is good and that there is evil. Everyone would define those things differently or draw those lines in different places. Uh, but that, that was something we were actually talking about at our small group last night that ultimately you can take your most free-thinking person that – would just about let people get away with anything they want to get away with or identify however they want to identify or, you know, somebody that is completely, um, you know, this kind of open-minded person, they would draw a moral line somewhere, right? Even that person would, would stop somebody from, you know, doing a certain thing or, uh, and, I, and it's kind of hard to even define it because everybody draws that line differently. But the point is, uh, Everyone would agree with that, that there are right. things that are yep. good and there are things that are bad. And so, yes, the question becomes, where does that standard come from or what, who starts that standard? Um, and ultimately, we would say that there is an objective moral reality, whether we all agree upon it or not. Uh, the, the fact that we would make moral claims tells us there has to be some moral ob- objectivity in the world. Right. Uh, when When someone... If someone were to argue that murder is is okay, yeah, we would immediately say no, it's not. Right. The person who um, is truly being consistent, who says there is no God, who's truly being consistent, should be able to say, well, who says murder is wrong? Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Says who? Mm-hmm. Like, but what's interesting is people who deny the existence of God. Um, tend to, and I think that's why this is a particularly relevant uh, argument for the existence of God right now, because what we're seeing culturally is you can be secular, you can be humanistic in your worldview, mm-hmm. postmodern in your worldview. Yeah. Truth is objective. You know, in that worldview, truth is completely objective. However, these are some of the most morally, you know, kind of self-righteous mm. people yeah. in, in most cases where... Yeah it's very clear that people see no disconnect between they can deny the existence of God on one hand and yet claim yeah. moral superiority on the other. Right. And so um, it, it really opens up an interesting dialogue now. Okay, so where do you get your moral presuppositions you're bringing to the table? Where are those coming from? Right. Certainly not the existence of God. So so where is that coming from? Yeah. And and so it, it can, I think, create a lot of really positive interactions if, if, if handled well because I think it's just a – it's a big deal right now. Like, yeah. I, I've, I don't know if people have ever been as strongly opinionated about 
morality who simultaneously deny the existence of God. Yeah, that's and so it, true. it tends to be a, a, a something I think that opens up a lot of discussion. Yeah, and that's ultimately what these arguments are meant to do. Like we said earlier, none of these answers every question that we could have about God. Um, none of these uh, arguments tell us perfectly even who this God is that we're arguing for. Uh, and that's kind of the unique thing about uh, the, this process of asking tough questions and looking at you know the apologetics, the defenses for the faith. Um, all these things come together uh, as pieces of a puzzle that point us to who God has revealed himself to be. So, uh, you know, this is, this is not one episode that you can just listen to and, and bam, you've got all the evidence you need to go and take down that local atheist that, you know, is just pestering right. everyone. No, this is, these are conversation starters that are meant to start a dialogue and ultimately start conversations that build relationships that uh, hopefully will, you know, give people a reason for the hope that we have. And, ultimately point them more toward Jesus. That's it. That's it. So yeah, four arguments, moral argument, teleological argument, the cosmological argument, and the ontological argument. We will list these and put some little brief descriptions in the show notes, and hopefully you can continue your own study in these things as you point others in your world toward the God that you believe in and trust and follow and obey. Uh, One thing that I want to prove the existence of right now is something that we haven't done in a while. Oh man, I'm so excited right now. <laughs> Let me give you an argument for the existence of the high view hot take. You thought it was gone. <laughs> you thought it wasn't coming back. And but now it has. I, I feel like I feel like Pastor Josh is with us now. He's with us in in spirit. <laughs> let's let's hear that. It's been a while. Let's hear that again. I'm curious as to how many people just they, closed the They just turned off they the episode. They just turned off the podcast. That's it. Hey, for those of you who stuck around <laughs> to now, thank you. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Um, but yeah, we're going we're gonna to have a high view hot take today. And uh, it's, this is particularly special for us because we are residents of Georgia and right. fans of Georgia sports, um, including the Atlanta Braves, who are right now – Playing in the NLCS. I'm doing the chop. Oh, no. yeah, I'm doing the chop. We should have had that queued up. Oh, man. The sound effect. That would have been phenomenal. Yeah. You know, that's that's one of the things that you know, we we miss out on now that we can't go to physical games. Because when you're in the stadium and you oh, hear man, just that's such a good feeling. thousands of people chanting and all that's yeah. yeah, cool If experience. you're not a Braves fan or if you're, you, you have a, you're, you're a Dodgers fan – Boo. Uh, boo. Yeah, boo. I've got, uh, I've got a buddy of ours that posts every morning. Good morning to everyone except, except the Dodgers. <laughs> except you, Dodgers. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Playing in the uh, – as we sit here today, we are uh, up uh, two games to zero on the on the L.A. Dodgers and uh, two wins away in this series from going to the World Series. And that's uh, – for me, I mean, I, I grew up a – I grew up a Braves fan, so this <laughs> Oh man. Now I have no idea if this is copyrighted. <laughs> so 
if if you hear this, Please whoever owns the rights. The express written consent of Major League Baseball. <laughs> That's right. Oh, here it goes. <laughs> anyway, all right, we're gonna let that play uh, as we talk about the Atlanta Braves. Here's the question, Chad. Hot, give you, what's, what's your hot take on this? Do you think the Braves are gonna be able to w- pull out a win in this series? And by win, I mean it's best of seven. Right yeah. now, we're two and zero. Yeah. Yep. Do you think we win the series? Well, I will say this: the listeners know a lot more. Is that they know a lot more about that's true about what's about happening. This so, episode's coming out on tomorrow. Tomorrow, which okay. would be today is game three. So hopefully by tomorrow, hopefully tomorrow we're looking at a three zero series lead. Hopefully, um, I'm I'm so here, here's my thoughts. Now I'm a huge Braves fan. Yeah, um, huge Braves fan. We we uh, we have a starting rotation that is only three people deep. Yeah. We have two games after tonight that we don't know for sure who's going to be pitching at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're playing a really, really, really good team. So, yeah. um, well, not looking so good well, so far. <laughs> we're playing it. They're, they're really, really good. Yeah. Uh, the Dodgers are really d- deep, very good team. Uh, so, with that said, mm-hmm. I think we do win this series. Let's and go. I think we go to the World Series. But I think it's, it's going to happen – in seven games. Ooh. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, it's going to take all series. seven. I think it's going to take all seven. Well, I hope I'm wrong. And, yeah. and honestly, tomorrow if we're 3-0 and you're hearing this, I was probably wrong. I was probably wrong. It's probably it's, it's going to be maybe six. Mm. But it just depends. It, I can see it going either way. Well, anyone who – I'm wa- getting hyped. This is like any- turning to sports talk radio. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone, anyone who watched game two knows the pain – of every Atlanta oh, Georgia sports fandom. Wow, Actually, I had a PTSD. Had a buddy of mine send a message. I think it was the top of the it was like the top of the seventh. So they had just scored. It was like six and zero, oh, and they had scored a couple more runs. And the message I got was, guys, let's remember, no lead is safe. Yeah. Oh yeah. No lead is safe Not when Atlanta it comes sports. to. Right, so not Atlanta um, sports. So we know well, who you got. I, what, do, what do you think, man? Uh, let me tell you what i <laughs> I am a uh, I'm not your guy when it comes to sports commentating because I can t- I can't tell you names of people I know. Chipper Jones, he's not playing anymore. He's no, he's not. Man. He's I retired. Meant to, I meant to tell you, he retired a little. Right, he retired a, a long time back. ago. I was looking for him on the screen last night. Yeah, it's been a little while, but uh, couldn't see him. No, I. You know, I, I'll be honest, I. I think the first the first game that I watched this year oh, no. was the first game of this series. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. Um, I I think. Hold on. Yeah, I think Chad wants this. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I wish we had Pastor Josh on this. Podcast. He, I feel like <laughs> the analysis and, and I mean, he's real. I know he's he would care he's even on less vacation right now. But yeah, I, right. I know that he is. Uh, I know he is sweating out every pitch. Every, yeah, he's on the edge of his seat right. every night. Right. Like what's going to happen? I, I'll tell you my gut. My gut feeling is that we're going to win tonight and have a three game lead, and then we're gonna we're gonna like. Bomb just two <laughs> two or three games. If they lose tonight, can we come back and edit? <laughs> yes. It's like I think the instead of I think I we're think this, gonna win. I, I think the Dodgers will win in seven. <laughs> like yeah, that'd be, yeah, that'd be great. Um. So yeah, I I think this is an exciting time for 
in a world where we don't have much to be excited about, uh, we can be excited that the Braves have really this, what I saw the other day was this was the first time the Braves have been to this particular championship series since what 2001 to 2001 19 years haven't been the World Series since 1999 right yeah man um, so uh, yeah I I think you know what I'm gonna say it I'm gonna jinx it all I'm gonna say <laughs> I think things are looking up for for Atlanta sports the Falcons got their uh, <laughs> We all the Falcons fans got their wishes. Co- oh, coaches and and GMs are are gone. Uh, R.I.P. Dan. See ya. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be ya. Um, I I think that the Braves are trying to single handedly. They're trying to single handedly redeem Atlanta sports for us. Well, <clears throat> and uh, I'm here for it. I tell you what, I'm here for. It. I tell you this is more. It's more edifying to watch the Braves in a playoff game at night. Yes. Than say, you know, the presidential deba- debate. Oh yeah. yeah. Everyone, everyone so wins I when think, you're watching the Braves. Nobody wins when you're watching. The I Braves. mean, just just to be yeah. honest. So. Yeah. That's true. All right. Well, this has been uh, hopefully a, an encouraging time of listening to us rant about the Atlanta Braves, and hopefully they do win. Hopefully they uh, they pull one out for us. That would be a fantastic, uh, fantastic time. That would. And uh, so I think I think we're going to go out on hopefully a high note. We'll follow up. It will only be a high note if we don't get sued. That's true. Yeah, which – all right. Uh, well, guys, we are uh, so thankful that you joined us today on the Hive Podcast. If you uh, listen on a player that allows you to give us a rating and a review, please do that. Um, also, uh, shameless plug for Pastor Chad has a new podcast. Damn. out in the world um it is called leadership on mission and uh, you should definitely check that out as well while you're leaving us a rating and review go ahead and search for leadership on mission and uh, you'll see a little green circle on the logo that'll yeah. be your indication to and tyler, like and follow tyler also has a podcast sometimes the bo- <laughs> when when i upload them the bottom shelf bible ca- the bo- bo- bible cast the bo- <laughs> bottom bottom bible Bottom shelf, the bottom shelf Bible podcast, Bible podcast, which yeah. is which is really a fantastic podcast, talking everyday, ordinary folks, man, talking yeah. about the Bible and and uh, man, breaking it's, it it's down. Fantastic, it's good stuff. Well, thanks again for listening with us today on the High View Podcast. We appreciate all of your nice feedback and ratings and reviews and all that good stuff. Share these episodes with a friend and use these things we're talking about to start your own research into uh, into these hard, tough questions that we as Christians have to wrestle with and deal with, uh, but also use these as a way to just break, you know, the break the ice with a friend that maybe doesn't believe yeah. in, in God, believe in Jesus. So with that being said, we thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.